second down, 30, going deep. And he's got his receiver, Adams! Slicing in for the touchdown. Pulse of the Pack Podcast. Play in big running room. of the Pack Podcast. Do you want to experience the thrill of a Packers game at Lambeau Field? If so, be sure to get your game tickets from the longtime trusted source in Wisconsin, Ticket King. Visit their locations in Milwaukee and Green Bay or just go to their website, theticketking.com. Again, that's theticketking.com. Hello, everybody, and Happy New Year from the Pulse of the Pack Podcast and Video Blog Network youtube channel and all of that sort of stuff i don't really have a good introduction for that so that's what we're going with my new year's resolution is i don't have one because i don't believe in them because i've never done them in the past anyways i'm still fat so there you have that i am your host today i am jacob westendorf i am joined by jason perone of course jason out in arizona i asked him how's it looking today i meant to record and he said sunny and 60 degrees so he's a jackass is what that means but jason how are you doing Sunny and 60 degrees. <laughs> yeah, you're an asshole. Thank you. Uh, I'm joined by my soon-to-be new co-host now because I've fired the old one, and that is Paul Brettel of Cheesehead TV. Paul, welcome to the show. It is good to have you here. How are we feeling? I'm great. It's not sunny and uh, 65 here in Green Bay, but I'm happy to be with you guys as always. Yeah, but you live in Green Bay, so that means you're really the one who's winning out of the three True. of us here. <laughs> So there we have that, guys. It's it's Wednesday of Wild Card Week here as we are recording this show. Uh, the Wild Card is set, and the Green Bay Packers are not playing on Wild Card Weekend. The New England Patriots are, which is funny to me. Uh, for everybody that did not enjoy Sunday's game against the Detroit Lions, I completely understand that. Uh, Jason said afterwards, I enjoyed that about zero seconds of that game which is pretty fair. Uh, but that being said, I prefer their outcome to New England losing to a team that came into the season pretty much intentionally trying to lose. So there you have that for Miami uh, and New England. Just real quick, guys, it's not all that timely at this point, but Jason, real quick, any takeaways from their game against Detroit? Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Decade. I just want to tell everybody that 10 years ago this particular week, I had just met AJ Hawk in person, which at the time was I was the the fanboy fan club for AJ Hawk, and I was about a week away from my last visit that I have made to where the Arizona Cardinals play their home games for what we all remember as the no defense playoff game. All right, we don't have to go over that, so we're going to move on from there. No, no, no. <laughs> the Spencer Havener uh, tribute game. So that's where we were uh, 10 years ago this year. Don't have to worry about wild card weekend. There will be no Arizona Cardinals because Arizona Cardinals. Also, just want to say, imagine being a Patriots fan, sitting in the stands, hoping to watch your team clinch yet another playoff by for the 10th time in 10 years, and they lose at home to that team, and at that cost. I'm sure we all feel a, a ton of empathy for that fan base. But None whatsoever. As far as, nope. As far as the Packers-Lions <laughs> game, though, no, it was it was ridiculous, uh, but not something that we haven't seen before. The Lions have always played the Packers difficult, regardless of what the disparity between the two teams is. And, hey, I know it was an anomaly, but a year ago, the shoe was on the other foot. So... 
got things turned around, and the Packers left Detroit with a huge victory. And it's incredible that you beat a team twice and didn't lead in either game. It's got to be some sort of a, of a record or a, a statistical, you know, it's going to become a trivia question many, many years from now. Yeah, I'm going to win a lot of money on that someday too. So thank you uh, to the Packers for that. I could have done without the ulcer, but so be it. Paul, is there any sort of like poetic just, I don't really know what the right way to put that is, but Mason Crosby a year ago had his worst game, maybe of his entire career. He missed five kicks. It was my, excuse me, it was my bachelor party. So I remember it very well, unfortunately. Um, But isn't it at least kind of fitting that he's the one who saves the day, even that day, he missed a field goal, and you're almost thinking like that might be the difference of the game, but instead he makes a big extra point after the Alan Lazard touchdown and then drills a 33-yard field goal as time expires. Is there any like poetic nature to that? I think 100%. Like you said, he missed the one, but he still was 3 for 4 overall, hit both his extra points, and you know, a game winner is a game winner, and it was actually his second one against Detroit of the season, and this one came you know, a little bit more difficult. It wasn't the old-school extra point distance, but you know, he's got to be feeling good after that game and the outcome just as the team and what they earned to buy, but be able to go back in there and do it in that environment. And I think it shows his mental toughness as well overall with how he rebounded this season and also just to go back into Ford Field and hit the game winner. Yeah, it was nice to see. I will say this going into the playoffs. If, if it comes down to a big kick from Mason Crosby, I know he's had some struggles. I know it was a little controversial for some fans to bring him back this season. They wondered why he makes as much money as he does. I have all the faith in the world that Mason Crosby will make a field goal. If it comes to, if it comes down to a game winner against New Orleans or whenever, I think Mason Crosby is going to make that kick, and I feel pretty good about that. So my thoughts on the Lions game, real quick, I just said after uh, the game ended that I didn't care. I think I said in the on my Twitter account that just win the quarter and I'll forget everything that I just saw basically. And I told my brother before the game started, like just win the game. I don't care if it's two to nothing. I don't care if it's 14 to 13, like whatever it turns out. I lied. I guess I did care a little bit as the course of that game went just cause it was really frustrating. The first half is maybe the worst half that green Bay has played all season long, but it doesn't matter. They won. They got the bye. They will not play on wildcard weekend. And if you listen to Jason and mine show from Saturday, that also guarantees that they will not be going to the Superdome to have to play the New Orleans Saints. Now, they may still play the Saints, but it will be at Lambeau Field. Thankfully, that is a week and a half away, so we got plenty of time to cover some of that stuff, guys. So real quick, I just kind of want to wrap up the regular season with you guys and then maybe go through Wild Card Weekend. And the first thing I want to go through with you is of this season, obviously, I don't know what your preseason. Well, Jason, I know yours. You had them at ten and six and making the playoffs. I had them nine and seven and missing the playoffs. Paul, what was your preseason expectation for this team? Uh, I wrote an article. I had them at eleven and five. There you go, playoff so, team. Yeah, there you go. Paul had it better than any of us. Jason, I think you had us one and done in the playoffs, and I didn't have us making the playoffs. So, is that accurate? Yep. Yep. Okay. So we're all wrong. They were thirteen and three. They won the NFC North. Uh, they won the NFC North and clinched the division. Before week 17, for the first time since 2012. And that's crazy to me that it's been that long, but it has. And it was a positive thing uh, to go into Minnesota and get their first win there. But I just want to ask you guys real quick, Paul, let's start with you here since you're the guest. We can do that. What is your biggest surprise from this season as a whole when you look at the team all together? Is it the fact that they won as many games as they did? Is it the fact that 
some of the players, some of the new additions kind of just jumped in right away? Is it that the head coach was as successful as he was? What was your big surprise? Uh, honestly, it's going to have to be the win total, the 13, and just the the way that they've done it. You know, we've gotten accustomed to throughout the years having it be whatever Aaron Rodgers does going to be, whether we win or lose the game. But this year we saw the defense. They saw them rely on Aaron Jones. Uh, in the running game, he was a big factor in the passing game when Devontae was out. Just their ability to show that they can win games in multiple ways, and that's a, a reflection of Matt LaFleur and the uh, what he's done in the offense, and then also Brian Gudikins with the offseason additions of the Smith, Samus, draft picks, all that stuff. But 13-3, and three, I know Aaron Rodgers is a quarterback, but for any first-year head coach and coming off of two straight losing seasons, missing the playoffs, uh, easily my biggest surprise. I can't imagine many out there, other than James Jones, of course, would have predicted that. Yeah, it's 13-3, and three, and that's only the second time that the Packers have won more than 12 games with Rodgers as the starting quarterback, it's only the fourth time since 1996 that the Packers have won 13 or more games. So this team is special. It just looks a little different than some of those yep. other teams did. Jason, you're not surprised by a lot, I imagine, in what we will call your experience. So what uh, what is your biggest surprise here from the Packers 13-3 and campaign? Well, it would be the record, but Paul covered that. So... And if I really wanted to go the incite the riot route, it, it might have something to do with Aaron Rodgers. But I wrote a piece just real quickly, shameless plug, about that went up today, Wednesday, at Cheesehead TV about Aaron Rodgers and some of the defensive efforts that he's had on his side since he became the starter with the Packers. So check that out if you haven't yet. I'm going to go with the injury situation, which has been a complete anomaly this year and just unbelievable game to game. They find a way to stay healthy and keep everybody on two feet. Jamal Williams said, had it been a playoff game, he would have gone against the lions. He would have been able to play. I have to assume Danny Vitale would have played as well. I think they were trying to be smart there. And then they do have a couple of significant injuries in Corey Lindsley and Brian Bulaga, who both might have been challenged to play in a wildcard playoff game. Boy, but they are going to get, well, and they're going to get <laughs> an extra week to heal. And, you know, I mean, maybe they both would have played regardless. But now, when you're talking about a back injury with Corey Lindsley, those are nothing to scoff at there. And then Brian Bulaga with his um, concussion situation, you know, is only going to be in better shape after getting a couple extra days to recover from that. I, I don't know whether he's out of the protocol or not. I know he had not been been uh, taken out of it as of, I think, Tuesday of this week. So it's the injury situation. Their health has been great, and I just I want to knock on all the wood in the world because the last, the last time and the last thing that they need is for that to all fall apart now when they're playing their most meaningful games of the season. Yeah, that's a good way to put that too because if you really look at it, preferred starters for the Packers didn't miss a lot of games this year. I mean, I can think of Darnell Savage missed a little stretch there. Devontae Adams obviously missed the month with uh, the turf toe injury. And Jamal Williams, not a preferred starter, but a contributor. He played a little bit. Balaga was healthy for most of the year, knock on wood. We'll see if he's good to go. Uh, I imagine the Packers haven't had practice this week. They'll practice on Thursday, and we'll get a little bit of update on his status. But a big deal for regardless of who comes in to Green Bay. If you look at it, if they play Seattle, Brian Belag is going to be matched up with Devion Clowney. 
play the Eagles. They got a plethora of pass rushers, Brandon Graham, Derek Barnett. They've got some good players. Uh, they've already seen those obviously this year as well. And then uh, the new Orleans saints, Cameron Jordan is one of the best in the business. So they've got their hands full in terms of pass rushers. They'll need to get that. My biggest surprise, I, I would have said the record as well, but I'll go ahead and say the way that it was done because if you look at it, it's rare that a team overhauls their roster in the way that Green Bay did. And I was surprised, and this is a credit to Zadarius and Preston Smith, Adrian Amos, Billy Turner, some of the guys who came in, and Matt LaFleur. I think the biggest victory that Matt LaFleur had this year, the culture in Green Bay the last couple of years was described as toxic. And that's not a word that you want associated with your franchise. Matt LaFleur turned it around in a year. Championship teams have it. And whatever it is can't be quantified, but this Packers team certainly has it. So I think that's special. We'll see if it translates to a championship. We'll see if it translates to one and done. We don't know. That's kind of the beauty of this sport, the beauty of the game. It's a one-game sample size. They'll have a chance to win. Uh, They have to win one game at Lambeau Field and then maybe a road game before getting to the Super Bowl and having a chance to play against whoever comes out of the AFC on that side. So, That'll be fun. Let's go to disappointments real quick. And I think it's safe to say that the three of us across the board are just going to go with the receiving core because that is honestly, I mean, when you're 13 and three, there's not a whole lot to complain about. Uh, I think you can complain about the consistency of the offense, but some of that is tied to the receivers as well. I said the other day on pack a day that Alan Lazard is the only thing saving. If I take Devonte Adams and remove him from the receiving core, Alan Lazard is the only player on the roster currently saving that group of receivers from getting an F as a grade. And I think, I don't think that's too harsh. I think that's fair. So do you guys have any disagreements, anything you want to add in terms of disappointments? If not, we can move to our next topic. No, I think that that hits a nail on the head. I mean, MVS and GMO were expected to step up and play significant roles this season and MVS, his snap counts just plummeted and fallen off. And then, Allison, he's got the drops. He he's fumbling now, uh, and he's just not not a dynamic player with the ball in his hands. I think he's averaging around eight yards a catch per season. But like you said, Lazard saved this group, and him coming out of nowhere. And Rogers trusts him. He's been big on third downs and making plays downfield as well. And then for me, the tight end situation. We knew Jimmy Graham wasn't going to be great. It's not going to all of a sudden just become good overnight. But he's kind of. You know, he's had a couple of big opportunities this season, and he's had some big drops. He's just not hanging on to the football. So that's been disappointing. And then Jay Sternberger gets injured early in the season in training camp, and then he he misses almost the entire season. And I, I'm the situation with him right now is really perplexing to me because I you know, maybe he's not ready to catch footballs, but he has one he had one target all season long. It was a touchdown attempt in the Washington game. That's the only pass that was thrown his way. So for a guy for a you know for a position that's kind of short on guys that can be dynamic and catch the football. You've got a third round pick who's clearly going to be part of your future at the position. I would have thought that he would have caught a couple balls at this point. I mean, maybe he'll break catch the play and come out where I'll add that to the pass catching was the tight end situation didn't help. Yeah, that was interesting. The tight end position really honestly has been a black hole. Jimmy Graham had a nice stretch there. Mercedes Lewis is a nice role player. Robert Tanyan, probably a nice role player. Sternberger is the future at the position, but he hasn't made an impact for whatever those reasons are. So that'll be something interesting to monitor as we get into 2020. Thankfully, we don't have to get into the 2020 offseason and season yet because the Packers are playing in the postseason. 
One person who's not participating in the postseason is Mike McCarthy. And that is because the former Packers head coach was obviously dismissed last year, didn't get a job, was passed over by the New York Jets for Adam Gase, LOL, and <laughs> in Cleveland for Freddie Guest Half Bathrooms. Shout out Peter Bukowski for that because I still find that hilarious. But, I mean, you want to talk about a whiff. John Dorsey's decision to hire Freddie Soups got him fired. Got the coach fired, got Dorsey fired, when all he had to do was hire his old friend, and I think that the situation in Cleveland is far different than it is now. Jason Wilde of The Athletic had a story come out today that kind of featured McCarthy and his McCarthy project, which has been something on NFL Network with Tom Pelissero, which has been interesting, uh, and just kind of going through some of the stuff that what has helped and what has hurt over this you know season that he hasn't been employed. He, he still lives in Green Bay which he said is awkward at times. Uh, you know, he said for every one moron who is like unappreciative of him, there's a lot of people who come up and thank you for the job that's been done or anything like that. So my takeaway from it, and I just wanted to touch on it because he's one of the best coaches in the history of the Packers and he's going to have a job. You would assume next season at a different uh, venue, whether that's in Cleveland. Uh, he's interviewed twice for the Carolina Panthers job. He's interviewing with the New York Giants and the Cleveland Browns. So you would think that he could get a job out of one of those three spots and a team, in my opinion, I think they'd be lucky to have him. I always thought McCarthy was a good coach. I still think he's a good coach. I think the year away will help him to kind of get some of uh, what changes does he need to make? What things do does he need to do better? What things can he better incorporate? Those sorts of things. Um, but I can tell you this, as long as it's not the Dallas Cowboys, I'll be rooting for him wherever he goes because you can debate – all you want, whether or not, I think Mike McCarthy's a good coach. How good of a coach can be debated. Uh, in my opinion, I think he's been the second best coach in the history of the Green Bay Packers, uh, not named Vince Lombardi, unless you want to include Curly Lambeau, which I suppose I can understand. So in that case, third. Um, but that being said, uh, that can be debated. What can't be debated is I think he's a special person and an easy person to root for. I think any of those organizations would be lucky to have him. So Jason, what were your thoughts on the article? What are your thoughts on Coach McCarthy potentially getting another shot here in the very near future? I get it. He needs to move on and prove that he can still be a good NFL head coach. And when you don't get to leave on your own terms after you've done what he did in Green Bay, then your ego does get involved. And it's not just him, but it's his family. He said in that interview that he did on TV a couple of weeks ago that my family needs this. They need to yep. heal and move on from the pain of, of being let go when – you know, part of the article that, that got me the most was when he's driving around with his daughter and they're doing what I do with my son right now, which is work on reading. You know, my son is six, so he's just learning to read. They're reading street signs, and she happens to see a street sign that's got her dad's name on it. Yeah, that is and he's awesome. Explaining it to explaining it to her. And so when you're when you're storied like that and you get let go, and you've rooted your life there, and, and, you know, Green Bay, folks, is a very small town, so if you run an errand in Green Bay, there's a good chance that you're going to be pretty close to Lambeau Field, which happens to be the biggest reminder for Mike McCarthy of what happened last year. This is a guy who won 48 more games in the regular season than he lost. 125-77 and 77 was his record in the regular season, 10-8 and eight in the playoffs and a Super Bowl victory, should have been to a second one. Uh, that is, 
Well, that is that is that's a man that deserves absolutely deserves our respect, but he deserves another chance in the NFL. And frankly, I think the NFL needs him. When you look at some of the coaches that have come on, and and you know, you mentioned Gase and some of these other guys that are that are coming in. You know, McVeigh had a tough season. Now there's something to be said about a guy who's been doing it for a long time, and I think what Mike McCarthy has learned over the last year will probably serve him well. But like you said, Jake, I, you know, I want to see him do well, but not at the expense of the Packers. That's the only thing I'd ask for, but I'm firmly in the man's corner. 100%. Yeah. And I would ask that he not be the coach of the Dallas Cowboys. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like that. So Paul, with that in mind, I mean, there are some openings left. The Washington Redskins filled their coaching vacancy with Ron Rivera. I actually think that's a, good hire for them an adult in that organization whether or not dan snyder lets them uh do their thing remains to be seen but you imagine dallas is going to become open here very soon carolina the new york giants the cleveland browns i don't believe i'm missing anybody but please forgive me if i am is there anybody what of those four openings that i just mentioned do you think mccarthy would make the best fit um Dallas is they have a lot of talent so as far as what did I just say (laughs) I know I'm I'm working my way through right now Dallas has the most talent so as far as uh, perhaps the most appealing of those jobs that's got to be up there but also there's Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones are right over your shoulder so obviously that could be a turnoff Uh, the Giants is another good one but Daniel Jones and then that's just a it's a stable organization with the Maras as the owners. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carolina, they've got you know Stars and Luke Keekley on defense, Christian McCaffrey on offense. Honestly, I think any of those would be a good job. Cleveland, I don't know. Things just seem to go south there, so maybe Coach should look elsewhere. Yeah, I, I would say if I were him, I would take the Giants job or the uh, Carolina job just because of the ownership interference. Jimmy Haslam is he mm-hmm. doesn't have the reputation of Jerry Jones because he's not in the media as much, but he's just as bad when it comes to the quick. Actually, Jerry Jones hasn't had the issue of the quick trigger finger recently. He's just kind of been loyal to a fault with Jason Garrett. So I don't want him to go to Dallas. I hate the Cowboys. I have since I, I was you know five years old. Jason, I'm sure you can attest to that. Paul and I are around the same age. You're about 20 years older than the two of us. So, I mean, you've seen the Cowboys – both lose to the Packers in the sixties very frequently, but also beat them very frequently in the nineties. So um, that's, that's where we're at there. Uh, But yeah, I I would like to see McCarthy back in the NFL. I think he's a good coach. I I think that a team would be lucky to have him. I know there's a very vocal segment of Packers Twitter that thinks he's been carried by Aaron Rodgers for his entire career. For those that would say that I would say performance isn't quite this or is pretty much the same thing for Aaron Rodgers this year as it has been in recent years so maybe it wasn't just the coach like I told you guys it was all last year (laughs) beside the point we'll move on it's wild card weekend the Packers do not play as I mentioned earlier I just really like saying that they haven't had a bye since 2014 the bye that year led to one of the most epic playoff games in the history uh, of the Green Bay Packers and the the Des Bryant dropped it game. For those of you that remember that, uh, I remember it very vividly. That was a nice day. So let's just go through, guys. The Packers don't play, so we don't have a game pick for Green Bay this week. Let's go through wild card weekend, and let's start in the NFC because this has a direct impact on who Green Bay is going to play. And the game that really directly impacts that is the New Orleans Saints playing at home against the Minnesota Vikings. That game will take place on Sunday at 12.05 Central Time. 
The Saints have been kind of an offensive juggernaut over the last month and a half or so, really dicing everybody up. Drew Brees is having a great year. Jared Cook, Michael Thomas, record-setting year, Alvin Kamara. And then on the other side, you've got the Vikings who have the running game. Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison should be back. I think that there are places where the Vikings match up well with New Orleans. Here are my biggest concerns. Number one, Xavier Rhodes. Mike Zimmer thinks it's 2014 where roads are closed and roads have been wide the hell open for the last three years. And he's facing the best receiver in the NFL and Michael Thomas. So that's one, two, it's Kirk cousins on the road in a playoff game. That sounds like money in the bank to me. I, I can't picture Minnesota winning a game of that magnitude when you have a quarterback who, well, one, they have an offensive line that really struggles to block and you have a quarterback whose knees tend to shake in moments like this. And that's, I don't think that's unfair to say that's been proven over and over again. When has, Kirk Cousins been on a team that has won a big game. He hasn't. So I don't think this weekend's going to be any different. The Saints, to me, look like a team that is on a mission. Uh, we'll get to more on whether or not that'll matter next week because if they win, which I'm predicting that they will, they'll have to come to Green Bay. Um, Jason, who do you got here? It's it's New Orleans. It's Minnesota. I know the Vikings are one of your favorite teams since you lived in Minnesota for a bit, but who do you got there? I don't even <laughs> I'm so out of I'm so out of things with the Vikings. Um, nobody matches up well with the Saints in New Orleans, so that's just a fact. There, the Tampa, Carolina, Atlanta, the play play there every year. Nobody matches up well in New Orleans with the Saints. The Saints have um, a nice little two-up because they some challenges. You know, Dalvin Cook is going to challenge their tackling, and Stephon Diggs and and Adam Thielen are going to test the corners a little bit. Marshawn Lattimore was my defensive player of the year in preseason. So he's playing at home. Saints are pissed off because they you know, my hosed again by a call that wasn't even in their game. It was the end of the Seattle-San Francisco game that cost them a bye week. So, yeah, they're going to take down on the Vikings, and I don't see any way that Minnesota wins this game unless Drew Brees just completely loses his mind and turns the ball over four times. And even then – you know, if the Packers survive three and one half, the Saints can certainly survive, you know, several at and in, in their building. So it's it's going to be the Saints, and as soon as the Saints win, that locks them into coming to Green Bay in divisional round weekend, regardless of what happens in the other NFC playoff game. So then the Packers can start their prep for the New Orleans Saints in the cold outside at Lambeau Field. There you go, Paul. Any objections? You got Saints over Vikings too? Yeah, absolutely. Saints are going to come out quick, so it's going to be too much for the Vikings to overcome. And Dalvin Cook will be back, but the Saints have one of the stingiest run defenses in the NFL this season in terms of yards per game, and especially in the Dome. It's just going to be too much. So you have that. Let's go to the other NFC game. That'll be the Philadelphia Eagles against the Seattle Seahawks. The Eagles get a home game by virtue of winning the NFC least. Uh, the Seahawks, both teams, this is really the banged-up bowl. Both teams really injured. Marshawn Lynch was brought back out of retirement, which honestly, in one kind of strange way, cost the Seahawks their game last week against the 49ers because they were so focused on getting him into the game at the goal line that they took a delay-a-game penalty that moved them from the one-foot line to the six. They end up not scoring. That said, it's an interesting game. These two teams have already met. Seattle won that game 17-10. to I like the way Carson Wentz is playing right now. Boston Scott has been a fine for them at running back. We'll see if Miles Sanders can go. We'll see if Zach Ertz can go. But ultimately, I just I don't know if Seattle is that good. For all the talk about how the Packers are pretenders, Seattle has the analytics really don't favor them. They're 
expected win point differential is like negative. And that means they're expected to lose more likely than they are to win. And that's a team who was an inch away from being the three seed in the NFC playoffs and having swept the San Francisco 49ers. So that said, it's a home game. I've been saying for weeks that the winner of the NFC least is going to be the team that wins that playoff game just because crappy wildcard teams seem to win those games for whatever reason it is. I like the Eagles. Uh, I think that Carson Wentz makes one more play than Russell Wilson, and that I think has potential to be the best game of the weekend just because of the way Seattle plays. So, Paul, who do you got? Um, it's hard to pick against the Seahawks because it seems like one of those games where my heart says the Eagles are going to win it and the Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll just pull something out of their butts like they usually do. But I'm going to go with the Eagles. Carson Wentz is playing really well. And for as much grief as Packer fans give the Packers receiving core, go watch Philly's game. He's working with a mash unit over there. Um, and the Seahawks, like you said, Jacob, they're just not not the same Seahawks as they've been in the past. I think they're 4-4 four and four at home this year where they usually have a really good home field advantage. They've lost three of their last four, I believe, and they're 10-2 and two in one-score games. So haven't really ran away with any this year. So I think the Eagles, especially at home, gutted out. So there you have that. That would mean the NFC wildcard matchups. Well, let me get to Jason just to make sure if we have a clean sweep because I have a feeling that we don't. But I don't know that. Jason, Eagles or Hawks? Seattle screwed themselves really badly by not winning that game. They they not only hosed shook everything up in the NFC, and there was obviously some controversy around the end of that game, but they really hurt themselves because they would be, what, hosting the Vikings this weekend had they had they just simply won the game they'd be hosting minnesota which is a, a good matchup for them at their on their home field and a chance for them to get to divisional round weekend but they're not getting there they're on the road they're playing the philadelphia eagles and i'm going to be really honest with you i i'm not going to bet against philadelphia at home and doug peterson the, the job that doug peterson's done with the the injuries and managing everything that he did i mean just two years ago he won a super bowl with his not starting quarterback so I'm not betting against the Eagles at home. And selfishly, one of the other reasons why I want the Eagles to win is because the Eagles can beat the San Francisco 49ers. And if the Eagles beat the San Francisco 49ers in divisional round week, then that means something pretty damn cool for the Green Bay Packers and maybe for those of us who want to go watch a really exciting and meaningful football game at Lambeau Field. Yeah, that's one. I think Seattle can beat San Francisco, too. They already have, obviously, and they're an inch away from doing it a second time. But division games are weird, so that could be the case. So with the way that we have it, all of us have the Eagles, all of us have the Saints. That would mean New Orleans travels to Green Bay, Philly travels to San Francisco. Those games will take place on Saturday the 11th and Sunday the 12th, respectively. Both games are the late game on those respective weekends as well. So uh, if you're into wagering of jelly beans, I would probably advise running to Vegas and picking the other teams now. So there you have that. Uh, <laughs> let's do the AFC real quick. I think we'll do we'll bunch them both together. The Texans play the Bills in Houston, and the New England Patriots will be hosting the Tennessee Titans. I like the Bills. I think their defense is awesome. Uh, Houston, I I want them to be good because Deshaun ja- or Deshaun Jackson, Deshaun Watson is awesome. He's one of my favorite players to watch. They're banged up at some spots. Will Fuller's not playing. And ultimately, if I have to make a bet on one defense making a play over the other, I'm betting on Buffaloes. They have a really good group. Uh, They rush the passer well. They have a stingy secondary. Tredavious White is one of the best corners in all of football, and nobody really talks about him because he plays for the Buffalo Bills. 
That being said, the Bills finished 10 and 6 this season, and they were honestly probably better than their record was. They lost two close games against New England, and they sat their starters in week 17 because the game didn't matter. Josh Allen on the road scares the hell out of me because I think he's terrible, but ultimately, defense, running game, kind of an old school way of winning the playoff game. I like the Bills. And here's my big one, New England against Tennessee. I think the Titans match up very well with the New England Patriots. Ryan Tannehill statistically has been one of the best quarterbacks in football this season. Tom Brady is washed up. He's done. He's not good anymore. It's been the case for almost a year and a half now. I think he's cooked. I think them losing last week was a bad omen. I will say this. I feel very confident that New England is not going to win the Super Bowl, even if they win this week, because I don't think – They can go into Kansas City and beat the Chiefs and then go to Baltimore and beat Baltimore there. But I don't think they're going to get a chance at either one of those because I think the Titans win this weekend. I think A.J. Brown and Corey Davis can make enough plays. John Smith's a good tight end. Derrick Henry won the rushing title. They've got enough ability on the offensive side of the ball, and their defense can make some plays. Their pass defense is not very good. But that doesn't matter when you're facing Julian Edelman and a bunch of mailmen at wide receiver and a quarterback who is washed. So I like the Titans to win that game. I know neither one of you are going to pick them because it's New England and it's in Foxborough, but that's what I'm going with. I like I like both road teams in the AFC. Jason, who are your AFC picks? So the Buffalo Bills, you know, speaking of my past and my history, if you want to fast forward from the 60s to the early 90s, the Buffalo Bills disappointed Everybody in the early 90s, way too many times, and I will never forgive them for it. So I'm not going to pick them to win a playoff game until they actually win a playoff game. So I'm going to go with Houston, even though Houston has looked foolish on wildcard weekend, and they always seem to draw that early Saturday game in the playoffs. And I know it's Bill O'Brien, and I have no reason to be picking a team that's coached by Bill O'Brien in a big playoff game. But I do believe in Deshaun Watson. And I do think that the Houston will. I think that Houston's primed to, to actually take a step forward when they get themselves a head coach that can actually lead that team well. And I don't know how they're going to uh, how they're going to make that happen without a bunch of politics and crazy stuff in the media. But I'm going to go with Houston in that one. And then, if only because I want to see a proper passing of the torch in the AFC. And actually, there's two guys taking the torch from Tom Brady. I want to see the Patriots take care of business at home against their old their old buddy Mike Vrabel and the Tennessee Titans so that the Patriots can make their way to Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes can take the Patriots out and take that torch from Tom Brady and send him home to his pretty little wife and his happy little life. So I'm going with the home teams, both home teams and wildcard weekend on the AFC side of things. But again, my motives, but once again, irrational and emotional based. <laughs> so there's our tiebreaker if it comes to one. Paul, are you splitting with us? Are you siding with one of us? How do you got this going? I'm splitting. I'm taking Buffalo over the Texans. I think their defense is just going to be too much for the for Houston. And like Jason said, Houston under Bill O'Brien in the playoffs. I need to see it first. So I'm going to go with that defense being the – the the reason that Buffalo comes out on top. And then while you brought up a lot of great points, Jacob, on why the Titans can win, and I do think it's going to be a very close game, at home, Bill Belichick, I'm going the Patriots. 
That's fine. I'll be ahead of it. I look forward to Tom Brady's funeral and the New England Patriots dynasty ending and dying on Saturday night. It's been far too long. It's time. It's over. The fraudulent goat will be over and done with on Saturday night. And that is where it's going to leave. That's where we're going to end this show. The way that we have it, everybody, if it shakes out the way we have it, it's very simple. You want to know who New Orleans play or who Green Bay plays? If New Orleans wins, it's New Orleans. If New Orleans loses, it's the winner of Seattle Philly. That'll be on Sunday, January 12th. 540 Lambo time. I don't know why they do the playoff games at as many weird times as they do, but whatever. That's beside the point. Uh, but that's going to do it for this edition of the show. Be sure to check it out. Uh, Pulse of the Pack is on YouTube. Check out Paul Brettel. Thank him for joining us. Uh, he's at Paul Brettel. He is not Mark Eckel, despite what Jason may want to say. <laughs> he currently is a new writer for Cheesehead TV and an expert at Dairyland Express. You can follow Jason. His work is at Cheesehead TV, and his Twitter account is at Jason Perone. And I guess I'm the outcast here. I'm Jacob Westendorf, and it's at Jacob Westendorf, and I write for Packer Reports. And you can catch all of us, not just on this show for this season and all off season long, but the Pack-A-Day podcast as well if you find us there. So maybe by the end of this offseason you'll be sick of our voices, but we hope that's not the case. Keep on coming back. Thank you guys for listening to this show and listening to all of our shows. And, of course, as always, even though it's a bye week, Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. of the PAX Podcast.